Are you turning me down? No, I was turning me up because oh. I can look at the waves, the relative waves. So this is me and this is you. So you say something. Yeah. <laughs> now I think I just turned myself up. No, no. Okay. They're looking pretty similar now. Welcome to Hysterical History, where we sit down, talk about our favorite stories, and of course, laugh. Your hosts are Whitley Trussler and Emily Gummery. All right, let's get this show started. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So like I mentioned, <laughs> my story this week is very timely, and it's about compulsory vaccination laws. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so... Can the United States enforce compulsory vaccination of all individuals within the United States? Question mark. Well, let's find out. Ooh, okay. So first, I just wanted to set some ground understanding of vaccination because I don't think most people understand anything. Anything. Yeah. Um, so there's basically two main goals of vaccination. So immunity slash herd immunity, and then eradication of diseases. So essentially immunity is individual protection from getting ill, and herd immunity is providing the community as a whole with immunity. So then less people are getting sick, and that can lead to eradication of disease. Huh. You don't say. <laughs> Interesting. I know. Who knew? Nobody knows in America. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Capital nobody. <laughs> Correct. And herd immunity was first identified in the 1930s during a measles outbreak. And they just naturally realized that, oh, now that all of these people have had it in this area, people aren't getting it anymore. And by this point, they already know they already know what vaccination is. That was discovered in the 1790s, people. So let's let's get on board by this point. But anyways, I digress. This is going to be a shady episode. <laughs> yes. Well. Yes. So, yes. Yes. So just to start it off, vaccine preventable diseases are still a common cause of childhood mortality around the world mm -hmm. with an estimated 3 million deaths each year. Mm-hmm. So come on, people. Listen. Step up. Common sense was more common back in the day. You might think. We shall see. Oh, you're about to prove me wrong. About to educate you. <laughs> educate me, educate me. That's what we should all be saying. Correct. And that's what Emily and Whitley do. Gummy and Jean. Spirit fingers. <laughs> educate. <clears throat> so now that we kind of have set the goals of what vaccination is, so the eradication of diseases and achieving immunity for everybody... Which, those sound great to me. I don't know about you. I think that's pretty cool. Listen, I don't want to die and I don't want to kill someone. So, yes. Yes. I, I agree. I don't know why we're not all there. But again, I digress. We're going to talk about the history of vaccines <laughs> and how they came to be. So, smallpox is the big one mm -hmm. that was really the catapult for vaccination. And really why we have vaccines today. So 
It's actually existed for at least 3,000 years. So it dates back all the way to ancient Egypt. They found remains there with rashes from smallpox. Mm -hmm. So essentially it took thousands of years to eradicate this one disease. And now we're to the point where we can do it within a couple decades. Yeah. But, you know, again, vaccines are scary. We don't want to do that. Whatever. It's fine. No, it's not. Getting a little cool in here with the shade. <laughs> I I told myself I was going to be calm during this episode, but I don't know if that's going to happen. You're about to be as angry as I was during freaking Jello salad. <laughs> Jello salad versus vaccination. What's more controversial, Jello salad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have smallpox. And it starts to spread worldwide as essentially the world developed. So so essentially as trade increased throughout China and Africa, Spain, Europe, and then eventually to the Americas. That's how smallpox ended up being a worldwide disease. Um, Because we couldn't keep our mitts where they didn't belong. Correct. Yes. And um, actually, three out of 10, so 30% of people who contracted smallpox died from it. So that's kind of a big deal. That's a lot of people. I mean, to be fair, though, like, they also didn't wash their hands or, and also, like, urinated and defecated in the street. So, I mean, (laughs) like, they weren't really doing, they were doing the very least. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree with that. (laughs) And I'm sure, like... That would not be the statistic of smallpox today. It'd be like two out of ten. Because <laughs> <laughs> vaccines are scary. Yeah. So the first attempt of immunity was called variolation. And it was named after the virus that caused, caused smallpox, which is called variola. So variolation is the first kind of version of immunity we have. And it's kind of gross how they did this. Essentially, people would be exposed to smallpox sores. So, like, the pustules from the sores. And they would make little cuts in your arm. And they would put the sore from somebody else into that cut. And so this is, like, the real live virus. It's not weakened in any way. This They're is just... not a 2021 vaccine. Oh, yeah. Good disclaimer, <laughs> Emily. This is variolation, which is different than vaccination. This yes. actually, this method, for good reason, becomes banned um, yeah. once vaccination starts to exist in the 1790s. This is why vaccines are good. Because then yeah. you don't have to cut your arm open and put people's blood in it. Yeah. <laughs> in your arm. Right. You could also inhale it through your nose if you so okay. chose. No, no. Um, Just cut me open, I guess. (laughs) But variolation, it did cause smallpox symptoms because it's smallpox. But fewer people died from the process than if they got it naturally. So, and Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that that has to do with the fact that the sores, by the time you take a sore off of somebody and then put it into somebody else's arm, there's like a certain period of time between then. So, So it... It is a weekend version of the virus. It's not the full virus, but it's still not what we have today, which 
is inactive viruses that go in and prime your immune system. This was just like, we're just going to give people, kind of give people smallpox and This is us being like, we think we're right. Let's try it. (laughs) Which I believe I was recently watching something and a doctor had this idea and I think it was with smallpox. And I don't, I don't remember if it's the doctor or like someone else in the town, but basically was like, here, take my son and try it out. Okay. That's perfect because my next bullet point is exactly that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So that was, that actually happened in 1796. So Edward Jenner, who is the scientist, Mm -hmm. he realized that milkmaids who contracted um, cowpox were protected from smallpox. So he noticed in this little area that if people had had cowpox, they weren't getting smallpox. So, yeah, he had this theory that he said, if we expose everybody to cowpox, it's going to protect our population against smallpox. And cowpox is not nearly as lethal as if you got smallpox. So it's a good trade-off. You're right. you're more likely going to not die from this. So exactly what you said is exactly what happened. <laughs> um He took a cowpox sore on a milkmaid and then inoculated it into a nine-year-old boy. So they're experimenting on this little nine-year-old boy, essentially. Which, yeah, ethical questions here. But but it's 1796, okay? So people are already putting sores from other people into their arms and sniffing it up their nose. I mean, they were doing a lot worse in 1796 or whatever. This isn't isn't too bad. No, this is like tame. And then a few months later, they exposed the boy purposefully to smallpox. He never developed smallpox. And he probably was like, thank God. Oh, yeah. He could have been dead at the ripe old age of nine years old. You know? Thanks, Edward Jenner. No, but he did his dad and his mom for being like, take our son as tribute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's really to blame here? Parents. <laughs> He just said, hey, guys, I have an idea. What do you think? And they said, take our son. <laughs> I hate Jimmy anyways. Get rid of him. <laughs> Actually, I think he his doesn't name pull was his James. weight on the farm. <laughs> He's weak. <laughs> Terrible at math. Yeah. <laughs> his son will never amount to anything. <laughs> Except the little boy. Who proved that smallpox immunity could happen from cowpox sores. Now he's now he's the king of the town. Yeah. He could I don't know how smallpox spreads, so never mind. I was gonna be like, he could be coughed on by everybody in town. I mean he'd be fine. He's he's the most popular kid in school. Dies of pneumonia tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Whitley said I could get coughed on. Anyways, um, (laughs) vaccination after this becomes the main source of immunity. So variolation fades, and it's actually banned in several states in the U.S. So the difference here is that vaccines used weakened versions of viruses, and the variolation is just like literally taking somebody's virus scabs and rubbing them into your arm, which this still kind of was the method for a while. For vaccination, it wasn't like a shot at this point, but you're not using the actual smallpox virus. You're using the cowpox. Gotcha. Which is 
immunizing everybody to smallpox. Mm -hmm. So it's a less severe virus to protect you from a deadly virus. Gotcha. So now that we've got vaccines starting in the 1790s, we get vaccine policies. Love a good policy. Yeah, doesn't everybody? (laughs) No, everybody's very upset from the beginning about these vaccine policies. Of course they are. Um, So, and just to know, vaccine policies, we're talking about policies adopted by governments. We're not going to, well, I don't know why I needed to add that caveat. If you don't know, you don't know. And you probably won't listen to this history podcast anyways because you probably don't know much. Yeah. And I'll say it. I'll say it. You're probably That's the my opinion. <laughs> my own opinion. You're part of the problem. <laughs> so we actually have policies dating back to the 1800s. Um, and one example is the Union and Confederate regulations required that you had to be vaccinated before joining the war. Huh. Or revaccinated if it was necessary. So huh. the, you don't say. Yep. They required revaccination after seven years for smallpox. So if it had been that long since you had been vaccinated, they asked that you get revaccinated. Not asked, they mandated. Interesting. Yes. These policies have been around for a very long time. Um, but here's the problem. There are issues with tracking vaccinations at this time. And also they just needed to throw a bunch of men into battle very quickly. So a lot of them actually never had vaccination and they didn't end up getting the vaccination so this actually caused a lot of problems because they there was a certain sore that you were supposed to use to get vaccinated from smallpox Mm -hmm. so it was either supposed to be obviously it's supposed to be the cowpox sores also so it was best to come from a child or at least um, know the source and what other health issues they had to make sure it was safe to use that scab um, but soldiers are just out here picking scabs off of other soldiers and doing it themselves. So they're, they're actually all like, why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> like I am the least surprised that is the case. Yeah. They ended up kind of killing themselves sometimes. Like there were, there were instances where whole troops took a scab off of somebody, scratched it into everybody's skin. And then like all 12 of them died because they just didn't know what they were doing. Natural selection, man. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess, though, it makes sense, like, like, I'm sure that that information wasn't readily taught in schools. Like, now we have information in chemistry and biology and stuff like that where we, it may not be in-depth, but we briefly talk about, we briefly talk about, like, how immunization works and just like a a brief overview of it so i know not to go and just rub my blood with someone else's blood without (laughs) like getting confirmation that they don't have other deadly diseases Mm -hmm. but at the time i'm sure they had no idea that you can't just like give your blood to someone else and it be fine or that you need to disclose that you have I don't know, HIV or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, like, that wasn't talked about, I'm sure. So they probably did not have any idea. Yeah. And honestly, that's if the kids went to school, if they had any schooling at all. So, Fair. 
um, they just kind of know, oh, that's how it works. So they tried it and killed themselves on accident. So, oops, are bad. Um, <laughs> but th- it was also not effective because there were differing laws by state, which is always a problem in the United States that mm-hmm. it's confusing. So some states already had vaccination mandates. Like you had to get them if it was... Um, if there was like a smallpox outbreak, they would vaccinate. They would ask everybody to get vaccinated. Um, but that didn't happen everywhere. So there were just so many people who weren't vaccinated because it wasn't required. And then others were because their city or town or whatever. It, it, it even varied by like sub-level within each state. Like municipalities yes. and stuff. Yeah. So it's confusing. And it's not very effective at first. Um but then we kind of get into more commonly known policies, like, for example, the requirement to have vaccines to attend school. All 50 states require that. And Well, they did. 47 states offer exemptions. <laughs> so what are we doing? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's loopholes mm-hmm. in 47 of 50 states to not have your child vaccinated. Yep. But, like, vaccinate your damn kids before you send them around other kids. Because here in a second, we're going to talk about the fifth or the Fourteenth Amendment, which is violating personal liberties. But well, and I have no problem with going to jail. So, like, <laughs> if I have kids and I, my kid, like, if it, in the future, if my kid is around somebody else's kid and they're not vaccinated, and my kid dies or gets a deadly disease, I will show up at your front door. This is a you PSA. Heard it here first. <laughs> this is a PSA. I I have no problem with that. Like, I I just can't. I think it. I think if you're gonna do that, then just be homeschooled. Yeah, homeschool your damn kid. Then yeah. Well, also, we eradicated measles in the U.S. by the year 2000. Yep. And guess what? It's back. This yep. is a fully preventable disease that we actually got rid of in the U.S. And yep. now we have to restart that work all over. Yep. So all I can say is yep because yep. I just can't. I can't. I can't. So, yeah, these policies, they spark a lot of opposition on the onset based on personal liberties, health concerns, religious objections. And, I mean, it is a complex issue to talk about, right? It, a heavy-handed approach threatens people and their sense of liberty, but a passive reaction endangers everybody in society. So it's like you have to, in the United States at least, you have to, because we're terrible people, you have to draw this balance. Yeah, because we don't know how to think about other people here. Right. Every person is out for themselves. Like, they they can't. It's like we got our own country and all of a sudden people just don't know how to think about their neighbor. Yeah. And I have a lot of other things I'd like <laughs> to say, but we won't go there today. Yeah, I mean, it's all about personal freedoms. And that concern for personal freedom has suffocated personal freedom Mm -hmm. but anyways pick your pick your battles yeah like this is not the battle to pick just get a shot and shut up yeah it's not hard and they're safe and effective today so i get why people i'm going to talk about a court case here in a minute and i get why people were maybe scared in the early 1900s you know shoving other people's scabs in their arms i I get it i get i get that so, like, I am, I do not blame these people initially. Like, the, so I'm going to talk about anti-vax movements next. 
and they actually predate the official creation of vaccinations in 1790. So they oppose variolation, which was the like active smallpox sores, shoving them in there. Part of me feels like cuts. that's fair. Agreed. I do not disagree with that. That's I, I mean, may, as strong of a pro-vaxxer as I am, I may also <laughs> say no to that. Right. That's not shocking. There actually what <laughs> I mean, people did die from this. So it's yeah. Concerns and criticism of vaccination just continued to intensify, weirdly, when it got made safer over time. Hmm. And it was because of the compulsory vaccination requirements that people got upset. And it kind of started in England, um, was kind of one of the first big vaccination requirements. Um, And there were a lot of oppositions Anywhere from, like, religious, where they said it was unchristian because it comes from an animal, the, the cowpox specifically. Because now we have Edward Jenner's um, cowpox vaccine to prevent smallpox. So there's also this distrust in medicine, which I don't, I understand that. You know, they were sticking leeches on people not too far before this, thinking it was sucking out their blood was going to fix everything. And I'm not saying that. Or giving people lobotomies. Yes. So I I get why you'd be weary of that because they just they honestly just didn't know that much yet. Well, no, because at that time it was like trial and error. Exactly. It was like some guy named Steve had an idea in his backyard, and then they were like shoving <laughs> screwdrivers in people's foreheads. I mean, yeah, like you might got an idea there, Steve. And I'm like, wait a minute, Steve, this is highly problematic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there was also uncertainty of origins of disease as well. Um. Some claimed it came from decaying matter in the Earth's atmosphere, for example. So, like, germ theory was still new, where there were tiny little organisms that passed infections. Mm -hmm. Before that, people just didn't know, so they made up these crazy ideas about where they came from. And it's still hard for people, I think, at this time to accept there are organisms floating around that you can't see that are getting you sick. Right. Which is what it is. So we have the Vaccination Act of 1853 in England. So it required vaccination for infants up to three months. And then in 1867, it extended age requirement to up to 14 years. So they had to, like, get revaccinated for, for example, smallpox was recommended every seven years. So they had to make sure they were getting, keeping their vaccines current up until they were 14 at minimum. Okay. So there was a media upset from this, and it sparked the creation of the Anti-Vaccination League. And the Anti-Compulsory Vaccination League, I don't know why these are two separate organizations. They just are. And then we have the city of Leicester. And it was a hotbed of anti-vaccine activity, and they had several rallies there. The Leicester Demonstration March of 1885 was one of the most well-known and largest in history of anti-vaccine protest. There were around 100,000 anti-vaccine supporters Leading an elaborate march with banners. They had a child's coffin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Give me a break. And then they you also... had me in the first half. Now they lost. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And they have had an uh, effigy of Edward Jenner who created vaccine. And mm-hmm. for those that don't know, an effigy is either a model or a sculpture of a person and they destroy it. Usually it's burned. Um, so that happened. Oh, my God. People. They're more dramatic in their anti-blah-blah-blah-whatever-whatever they're going to oppose than the actual thing they're opposing. It's not that dramatic. 
Well, it's also one scientist versus your whole parliament that decided to make it required. Why are you mad at the guy who created this groundbreaking vaccine? And why? I don't understand why people are so mad with other people trying to help them live. Yeah. Like, this person is giving you a longer life so you don't die of freaking smallpox. Shut up, get the vaccine, and move on with your life. They just couldn't. Like, but, this is not This is not what you need. Pick your battles. This, is, this ain't the one. I don't disagree. And oh my God. they did get a little headway. They made a little headway. In 1898, the act removed some of the penalties um, and included some exemption cases for vaccines. So for people with, like, weak immune systems and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so, like, health exemptions. Um, but, of course, right when they added these uh, exemptions guess what happened vaccine rates fell dramatically and then a bunch of people died and there you go anti-vaxxers good for you ask me how surprised i am emily how surprised are you not surprised at all (laughs) so i talked a little bit about england now i'm gonna talk about it in the united states oh jesus so The case I'm going to talk about is Jakobsen versus Massachusetts. So Massachusetts was one of 11 states with the compulsory vaccination law. So mandatory free vaccinations. Let me just throw that out there. They're free for adults over the age of 21 if determined necessary for public safety or public health. So that seems reasonable to me. Yes. Like if there's a smallpox outbreak... You all need to go get in line and get vaccinated so it prevents several deaths. Fair. I think that's fair. Yes. Which one could be yours. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) And the adults who refused were subject to a $5 fine, which is about $150 today. I still think that's small. Um, I I agree. I thought it'd be bigger, to be honest. Um, So what happens next? In 1902, there's an outbreak of smallpox in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the Board of Health said, you all need to get vaccinated. And if you're not up to date on your vaccination, you need to get revaccinated because we've got a smallpox outbreak and we need to stop it in its tracks. Mm -hmm. So Pastor Henning Jakobsen, he lived through mandatory vaccinations in Sweden. So that's that's understandable. He's already been vaccinated. So. He's upset that he has to now go get revaccinated when he had a bad reaction to it when he was in Sweden as a child. So he didn't react well. And he, his childhood vaccination went poorly, and he essentially said he has a lifelong horror of the practice. But just, just to know, in Sweden, he lived through these mandatory vaccinations, and eradication of smallpox was su- successful after that. So he has seen firsthand the effects of vaccination and the connection to getting rid of diseases altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, he said, Massachusetts, no, I refuse this vaccination on the basis of previous poor reactions to vaccines. His children also had the same bad reaction he did as a child. And I thought this was interesting. He believed it might be a hereditary reaction, so something in their DNA was just not jiving well with this cowpox vaccine for smallpox. Mm -hmm. 
So I guess I should call it a smallpox vaccine at this point. I think we're all clear probably where it comes from. Um, so I don't think he's like too far out of left field here with this. But like, no, but was he offering to then be like, we'll quarantine until it's done? That I don't know. Because I feel like if if you're not going to get it for a reason like this, okay, that's fair. Um, but then you need to have an alternative. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to see you, like, just waltzing down the street saying hi to everybody and giving <laughs> kisses to babies and shit. Like, you need to be in your house because now everybody's vaccinated but you. Well, he's a pastor, so and, I'm sure yeah. he's going to church. Ex- oh, 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 I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's going to church and shaking hands. Mm-hmm. Kissing babies. Kissing babies. Yep. Touching grandmas and grandpas and being like, oh, it's so good to see you. How's your garden? Like, like I'm sure. Yeah. Because I've seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> so I'm sure. Then you need to stay home. Yeah. You're, that's. I feel like personally, I feel like it is not out of the realm of expectation for you to either be like, get the shot or stay home. Right. Not shockingly, Jakobsen was prosecuted and fined the $5 in 1902. So he's upset. I say take $10. <laughs> $5 for each kid, too. Yeah, there you go. Um, so Charge it took, him. he appeals it, and it works its way up the ladder. Takes three years to reach the Supreme Court. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it took a long time. And his argument was that subjecting him to a finer imprisonment for neglecting vaccination or refusing it was an invasion of his liberty. The law was unreasonable, arbitrary, and oppressive, and one should not be subjected to the law if he or she objects to vaccination, no matter the reason. So if I say, you know what I object to? A speed limit. And I'm just going to go 150 everywhere I go. Because I had a bad experience going the speed limit. Is that fine? What's to stop you to then say that you don't agree with any laws? <laughs> and you're just going to do whatever the hell you want. Why do we even have laws? Why do we have a government? Why? 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 Yeah, and I think, honestly, <laughs> this argument that he brought to the court was not a strong one. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're like, you're driving around going 100 miles per hour in your Model T here in the 1900s. Yeah. Um, actually it wasn't made until 1910, but anyways, and I don't think it went, it probably went like 35 miles per hour, but that doesn't matter. That was a hundred back then. Okay. 35. (laughs) Yeah. If you account for inflation of speed limits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking of like inflation of engines. Yeah. (laughs) Inflation of horsepower, uh, that now equals a hundred miles per hour. I unhitched my horses (laughs) and I got Clydesdales and now I'm going a (laughs) hundred. So he argued using the 14th Amendment, which reads, no state shall make or enforce any law abridging the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So that's what he went with. He said, you're violating my 14th Amendment. But he's violating everybody else's 14th Amendment by not getting vaccinated. I also agree with that statement. That's what I mentioned earlier, was that everybody's so concerned with their own personal liberties that they're 
So it's like whose personal liberties is more important, my liberty to be safe in public or your liberty to not get vaccine. So it's I feel like everybody wants to sit here and be like, well, just let just let the um, what's it called? (laughs) It's the virus. Just let the virus like natural selection, just like let them take out everybody. Why would you want to do that? Why, why, why would we want the whole world to just die? Because you want to be mad about something. Like, just shut up. (laughs) Well, the outcome of this court case, though, is good because the Supreme Court said this law is legitimate exercise of the state's power to protect public health and safety. Yes. Which is correct. One of the few things we've done correctly. Well, this is also a time before the Supreme Court got into what's called the political thicket, Mm. which happened in the mid 20th century. So there was this idea that once they got into the political thicket of politics and making all their court cases political, which we do now. Oh, uh, yeah. It creates unfair um, judgments coming down from the court, which it does. The court is reading the constitution and just, and granted like, as time advances, the Constitution does become outdated and we have to interpret it differently. But here they, they were like, no, this is plain and simple. You know, yeah. the state has the power for public health and public safety, and that's where it's going to stay. And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I remember the Constitution saying we the people, not we the person I am by myself. Yeah. Just saying. Just just throwing it out there. Whatever people pick up, they pick up, I guess. <laughs> so essentially the, the decision is that local boards of health determine when mandatory vaccinations are needed, thus making this requirement neither unreasonable nor arbitrarily imposed. So again, the law in Massachusetts was when it's deemed necessary for public safety, yes. which is very clear. And A, an outbreak sounds like that. To yes, me. exactly. So. This, this Supreme Court decision essentially says when it's a matter of public health and safety, the state can take actions it needs to to prevent spread of disease. Mm-hmm. So let's not forget that, everybody. The reason I wanted to do this episode is because I've heard a lot of people saying, well, you can't force me to get the vaccine. Well, you're effing wrong because <laughs> this Jakobson v. Massachusetts decision still stands today. It has not been overturned. Mm-hmm. There is precedent your local government can force you to get a vaccination. As they should. As in they a should. situation as an outbreak. Exactly. And th- that's literally what this whole decision of the court case was. And the point is, really, at the end of the day, the government shouldn't have to force you. You should want to get the vaccine so you can save yourself, your family, and your fellow American or Britain or whatever country you're in. Yeah. I mean, we're really, I feel like, the only country. We're a mess. I think the UK a little bit is is having some issues with the vaccination problems, which does not surprise me based on the first kind of history of anti-vaxxers that I talked about, talked about with the Vaccination Act in 1853 in and England. And I mean, where did we mostly but, come from? True. So this is really not that problematic for most countries, Mm-mm. but we just have this unique set up this which i think my personal opinion horrible setup for our systems i 
I, agree. I feel like we just need to scrap it all and start over. I know people will get upset by me saying that, but it's it's not working. It's not. It's like um, beating a dead horse in this country. Yeah. There's there's no way to come to an agreement when you're on polar opposite sides. And that's us no in no way, shape, or form saying that I don't want to hear any person tell me, well, then go to another country then. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that it could be better and it should be better. Like we like we should want to provide a better system and a better situation for the people that live here. Honestly. Like why do you want to keep going round and round in circles and getting the same outcome, which is terrible? I mean, that's my exact thought to me i feel like i am more patriotic because i want to see this country do well the whole Mm -hmm. foundation of this country was that we wanted to come here Mm -hmm. and we wanted to create our own world and we wanted to feel safe in this world that we created for ourselves yep and our government's not doing that so no yeah and it doesn't matter what political party you're in everybody's terrible i agree I have other things, but it's not on topic. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, it's Emily and I topic. hate the United States of America. No, I'm just kidding. Please we, don't. <laughs> we love the U.S. so much that we want to see it do better. 